It's the show where Hawaii's newsmakers come to talk and to take your questions live. From the nation's capital to Honolulu Hale, from the state legislature to the fifth floor, we bring the experts to you and ask them what you want to know. Spotlight Hawaii with Yanji Denise and Ryan Palaisuji on the digital platforms of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. This episode of Spotlight Hawaii is brought to you by Long's Drugs. Aloha and good morning. Thanks for joining us here on Spotlight Hawaii. I'm Ryan Kalesuji, joined by Yanji Denise, and we're live this morning on the digital platforms of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. This morning, Yanji, we head back to the fifth floor. Of course, on Monday, we caught up with Governor Green to hear uh, an update from him. And this morning, we go a few floors down uh, and catch up with the Senate and House. That's right. We are speaking to Senate and House leadership this morning. Please welcome Senate President Ron Kochi, along with House House Speaker Scott Psyche. Thank you both for being here this morning. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having us today. Yeah, thank you for having us. Well, we want to start uh, with something that we spoke with uh, with the governor. We have so many uh, issues to speak with you about, uh, but I want to start with you, uh, Mr. Speaker, about uh, the stadium and the costs that seem to be potentially ballooning for that project before it really even gets underway. What are your thoughts about where we are with that project and the governor's projection that it could cost a lot more than initially planned? So, I, you know, I think the so, first of all, the legislature does support the construction of a new stadium um, at Halaba. And um, you know, I know the governor has a hard decision to make because we're now seeing price escalation based upon the different kind of model that we use to build the stadium. Um, you know, I've always taken the position from the House side that we appropriated $350 million for the stadium uh, last year. And that, you know, that's our that's our budget. We need to work. We need to work within within that uh, dollar amount. So that's, you know, that's my position um, going forward. Okay. And uh, Senate President, what are your thoughts about these new cost projections? You know, construction costs have gone up thanks to the pandemic and other issues. And of course, these time delays. Uh, is $350 million enough? And if it's not, where do you propose getting the money? Well, if it's not enough, I think they're going to have to make the case that it's a materials related issue or is there something that we are uh, adding on that's going to add or bring new value? I, I certainly share the speaker's concern that we work on budget. And uh, we've got several examples, you know, Colorado State in the Mountain West football built, uh, you know, similarly sized stadium and brought the, brought the project in within the budget. And they actually were uh, ahead of schedule. So, uh, you know, we don't want to see another real project is what the speaker is fond of saying. And then I usually say I agree with the speaker on that. But, uh, you know, I think the development of the stadium is going to be important in delivery of affordable housing units in the area, as well with the infrastructure that we're going to bring in. And uh, really, when we did extend the tax on rail, uh, a big part of my vote was to get that affordable housing units we badly need in our community. Uh, and Speaker, I want to just kind of follow up on this. You know, there there are those who will see these headlines coming through about uh, just these ballooning costs and where we're at in this process and think that this will just continue to add to the delay and push back 
the timeline that has been set forth. Of course, we know that the football team at the University of Hawaii continues to operate uh, on its facility on campus, and there are some concerns that this will be uh, a further delay in the uh, process of getting a completed stadium. How do you think that where things are at now and the debate that's happening about this funding, do you believe that that will make any impact into the overall timeline and projection of when this project will actually be completed? Yeah, so Ryan, it's really important that the governor, you know, act quickly on this. Um, he has $350 million at his disposal right now as we speak. Um, so he could, you know, he could make a, he could make a decision today to go with that, with that amount. Delay is going to uh, add to the cost of this project. Um, you know, I'll give you an example. Um, we funded the McKinley High School uh, athletic field um, in May, just a few, uh, eight months ago, and we fully funded it. And since May, the cost has increased by another $13 million. $13 million. Um, so, you know, I mean, with, with the new stadium at Halava, you know that the costs are just going to exponentially increase the longer that we wait. Senator President, I want to just get your final thoughts on, on the stadium and, and just the timeline overall. And what are your concerns about just where we're at in this process and, and also recognizing that there likely will be more delays and how that will might affect recruiting for the University of Hawaii and also just uh, not only confined to the University of Hawaii, but the overall use of the stadium and plans for its use beyond? Uh, it is important to get going. Uh, every day the cost will will go up. Uh, you know, my wife and I recently built a home. We moved in uh, in February of 2021, and we saw either uh, supply chain issues and delays in delivery of items, as well as price increases that were happening in dealing with, uh, you know, the local vendors on Kauai where we were getting our materials from, our younger son who lives on Kauai is trying to renovate his uh, kitchen, he and his wife, and uh, the cabinets were supposed to have been in and the work completed sometime this month. It's it's still not in. And, uh, you know, so these are real issues. And the sooner we can start, the sooner we can get control of what those cost items are going to be and uh, hopefully be more cost effective. You know, when we had the governor on here, one of the frustrations that he expressed was that his cabinet nominees uh, need to be confirmed and need to move through. And he says for in order for him to have a functioning, uh, you know, government, really, that he needs to have these folks confirmed. We saw what happened with Ikaika Anderson. Um, you know, Senate President, what are your thoughts about the rest of the cabinet nominees? Um, we'll talk about DHHL in particular, but, you know, we know that there are a number of nominees that still need to make it through. How do you think that process is going? Uh, you know, the process is going. I believe Kathy Betts is scheduled for this week. I think uh, General Hara is scheduled for next week. We're moving through them, uh, you know, but we still need to give time for the individual members to get a chance to interview these cabinet members. And, well, uh, the governor may have wanted them done yesterday. The decisions that the Senate is going to make in the advice and consent could uh, conceivably carry on for the next eight years, certainly uh, the next four. And so we take that role seriously. Uh, you know, we'll continue to vet the members of the cabinet and, uh, you know, work work through them. But we're trying to get them out in a, in a timely fashion. Uh, at the same time, we need to uh, take care of all of the bills. We have uh, 
crossing uh, deadline that's coming up next Tuesday where House bills come to us and Senate bills go there. So we need to still continue to take care of the people's business, get a new state budget adopted while the Senate goes through the advice and consent process. Oh, Ryan, I think you're muted. <laughs> Sorry about that. We know that this is a process that is done through uh, the Senate that they have to confirm. But Speaker Psyche, uh, you know, I wanted to just get your thoughts here on especially DHHL and uh, what happened with Ikaika Anderson and this new appointee. You know, in speaking with the governor, he says that this uh, position who leads this department is really a, a project management position, of course, with the funding that was provided to the department last year by the legislature in making sure that these funds are spent what would you like to see uh, from a leader in that position? And, and do you feel that the new nominee and Kali Watson will be able to achieve that? Yeah. So, uh, and then just to start off, um, you know, I had, I had offered to the Senate president before that maybe the house could confirm some of the uh, nominees, but he didn't really take that suggestion um, very well. So, but I did offer. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So I think for DHHL, you know, DHHL is a complex department. I mean, there's a lot of history to that department. Um, it's, it, you know, especially going into this year with the $600 million appropriation that we gave to uh, DHHL, it's, that department is going to require um, a leader who understands how to develop, but also someone who understands how to use funds, like a, a pot of funds, and how to leverage those funds so that you can make the best use of those. You can maximize the use of those funds. I think that... Um, the department also needs someone who can lead the staff. I think there's probably been some, um, you know, over the past few years, there's been some, um, you know, uh, a lack of continuity at the department. And it's important for, for the staff to be, um, you know, very confident in who's chairing the department. Um, but yeah, I think, and you know, I have to say that I think Kali, um, Kali Watson um, is gonna be a good director. He is, you know, he's a pre previous, he's previously served as a director and I think he comes in um, with some ideas on how he can spur development and also use maximize use of the uh, $600 million appropriation. You know, Senate President, you had expressed, uh, you know, reservations about Ikaika Anderson on this program before, you know, anything had happened with this process. Do you think that Kali Watson is a stronger nominee? Well, and again, it, the reservations that I expressed were not before anything had happened. The reservations I expressed were based on, uh, you know, not being able to clearly answer the questions when he appeared before the joint uh, briefing of Ways and Means and DHHL and a subsequent uh, appearance in front of the committee didn't uh, fare much better. In the second meeting, there was some questions about was he going contrary to the board policy? And, uh, you know, things like that, uh, you know, really made, uh, you know, his confirmation a lot more challenging. I did meet with uh, Kali Watson on Monday as he's trying to schedule meetings with every member of the Senate. He outlined a clear plan. Uh, you know, he's talked about uh, identified partners in the private sector that he would like to work with, uh, including nonprofit entities and uh, looking at how to leverage the money. I think he's, he will uh, you know, articulate a clear vision. The other thing uh, that I appreciated in the conversation that I had with him on Monday is he said, you know, 20 years ago when I was there, 
you know, and did the job. And now that I've had a chance to work in the private sector has given me a much better perspective of how to uh, lead, uh, manage the department, how to try to leverage the resources of the department and how to find the right partners to deliver to the beneficiaries. And so I'm optimistic that uh, if confirmed, uh, you know, he will be able to uh, do the job of putting beneficiaries in, in homes or uh, develop the rental units uh, for those who desire uh, rental opportunities as opposed to home ownership. Another issue that we spoke to the governor about, uh, and a topic, I should say, is the green fee uh, that will, of course, uh, is being discussed right now amongst your bodies that would add some sort of fee to visitors to help uh, add to the sustainability efforts of the state and to combat climate change uh, and things in that budget. Uh, wanted to get your thoughts, Senate President, on where things are at with that. The governor seems pretty optimistic that some form of this will go through. Uh, you know, we talked uh, pretty extensively about the overall fee that would come to all visitors through maybe an app-based system uh, where there still is uh, some in the industry that would prefer a more specific fee that goes towards specific locations. Uh, what are your thoughts on where we're at with this green fee as it moves through the legislature and uh, any particular preference that you have in how you would see, like to see this implemented? Uh, well, at this point, you know, we're keeping vehicles alive. Uh, the real daunting challenge is in uh, some of the iterations, they are asking state parks to be the ones to do the collection. And will they have enough resources to get compliance right now? It, would seem uh, almost an honor system in how how they're doing it. And, uh, you know, we saw each of the counties having a different level of COVID quarantine uh, enforcement. And, you know, Kauai County, my, my uh, Senate district, Mayor Kawakami was uh, very diligent in going after uh, people who were, uh, you know, in the quarantine and other counties were not as diligent. And so how do we get that, uh, you know, enforcement, if you will, may, well, I shouldn't say enforcement, because that sounds like they're breaking the law, but uh, how do we get compliance? And how do we get uh, them to participate? But I think we all agree that the visitors should be paying for uh, some of the impacts that they have on our natural resources. And speaker, I want to get your thoughts on where things are at with the green fee. Do you have a preference or do you think that there is a bill that is perhaps the better vehicle and more likely bill that will end up becoming what this green fee ultimately uh, may be passed with? Yeah, so the Senate president is correct that the, both the House and the Senate agree that we need to uh, assess a fee on visitors. Um, the question is, how do you levy? How do you levy the fee? And I know there are different approaches um, there are, that are still alive. You know, my, I'm pretty neutral on what is the best approach, but the one thing that I think is really important is that we have an app-based app -based system um, that will allow us to assess fees. Um, you know, for one thing, I, I think that most people um, expect that there's going to be some kind of an app system to, to, to make payments. So I think that's going to be the, a critical component, component um, of the legislation. I want to bring in this question from Andrew Gomes, a uh, reporter for the Honolulu Star Advertiser, who I'm sure you're both very familiar with. Um, we'll start with you, Mr. Speaker. He says, 
Here we go. Can you ask about the governor saying there's a divide between the House and Senate as to trying to proceed with only a new stadium versus the broader and set entertainment district, including a new stadium? Is there a divide? I don't think I, I don't think so. I think that the um, Senate always agrees with the House um, position. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't I don't think there's a divide at all. I, I think that there's always, you know, there's always room you know, we always agree to disagree on in the big, this is a big issue. And I, I don't think that, um, you know, there, I know there are different ideas on how to approach it, but I, as the Senate president also mentioned earlier, um, you know, the, the one of the largest factors factors for us to consider is what is the cost of this project? Because uh, we don't want this stadium project to turn into another rail where costs are going to exponentially, the cost is going to exponentially increase. So and, and I think that the, the divide, if you will, is maybe, um, you know, in how we're articulating it. But clearly we have a budget of $350 million right now. Priority one is to get a stadium built. Now, once you get a stadium built, I think some of that entertainment district and uh, affordable housing, uh, you know, with transit oriented development all makes sense. But if it exceeds the $350 million cost, then we need to stay on budget, on track, and do what uh, is necessary first. And then there may be partners once we create the value of the stadium that are going to come in, and we can continue to find a way to make uh, the entertainment district happen by leveraging partnerships with private money and not put the taxpayers on the hook. And uh, it's really what the stadium cost is going to come in at and what can we do with, with the money that we have. Can't exceed your budget. Well, one of the pro, um, partners in the stadium uh, build out and, and just the overall tenants, if you will, will be the University of Hawaii. And Senator President, I want to get your thoughts. There have uh, been some comments made by members of your body about the leadership at the University of Hawaii uh, saying that they are not confident in President David Lassner and have called for him to step down. We wanted to get your thoughts on how the leadership is being handled at the University of Hawaii. And do you support uh, the role that President Lassner currently is in and uh, how you see the future of that role as well as the university as a whole? Well, as long as uh, David Lassner is the president of the University of Hawaii and I'm the president of the Hawaii State Senate, it's my job to work with him to develop and uh, deliver a world-class university system for our students here in Hawaii and the students that we attract from the mainland. And so, uh, you know, we'll we'll try to find ways to uh, make it work. I think how this uh, project develops uh, is going to be a big piece of what we can showcase at the University of Hawaii. And, uh, you know, we need to look at the other projects that are ongoing and and what's uh, happening now, uh, I have individual members of the Senate who are in subject matter uh, hearings and briefings. And uh, certainly the Senate is a more independent body. And, uh, you know, I respect that they are not going to, uh, you know, be shrinking violets if they see something that they don't think is going right. They're going to point it out, but they put it out there in a very public way and you can judge uh, you know, are their suggestions good? Are they bad? And, uh, you know, now you can evaluate who is performing and who's not. 
And Mr. Speaker, do you agree with those criticisms that were levied against the university president? Yeah, so, you know, I have to say that um, being serving as university president is probably one of the toughest jobs um, in state government because the president has to do with so many constituencies um, that don't always agree with each other. And, um, you know, David Lazar took over as president um, after there was kind of some turmoil in, in, the, in that office. Um, and I think that he came on board and he kind of course corrected what was happening. I think he brought some stability to, to the university. I know he's totally committed to the university and what it has to offer to our state. Um, so I've, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm supportive of, of, of um, President Lasner. I want to stick with you, Speaker, as we move to another topic, which is uh, recreational marijuana. This seems to come up almost every session. We know that during the off session, there was actually an active working group that looked into this. Uh, we know, of course, that the state already has the medical marijuana program established and set up, but this would be a broader extension of that. Uh, and uh, legalizing recreational marijuana. What are your thoughts on where things are at right now and how likely is something like this uh, to pass this session? Yeah, so there's a, there's a number of bills that were introduced in the House to um, legalize recreational marijuana. Um, what I've um, um, informed the, the chairs of the committee, those committees is that we should wait and take a look at this over the summer and come back with a bill that's comprehensive and addresses um, the concerns that, that are always raised about uh, marijuana use in Hawaii, including the federal restrictions and the law enforcement concerns. And Senator President, do you share that same sentiments of, of the speaker and maybe holding this for now? I think I've been pretty clear in uh, Spotlight Before or other forums that I'm not a big fan of the marijuana legislation, but an overwhelming uh, majority of the Senate caucus favors it at the 9.30 a.m. Ways and Means decision-making hearing this morning or meeting. Uh, you know, the Ways and Means Committee moved it out. It's going to be coming to the Senate floor on Tuesday for a vote, and I certainly expected to have 20 or more votes to move, but it takes two houses to go forward. And, uh, you know, if the house is going to want to uh, have a deeper dive into it, at least uh, the Senate will be handing over a version of what uh, they think would be important in, in a bill, uh, you know, and if things change, then maybe, uh, you know, it'll be possible with a vehicle alive for something to happen in this session. I want to ask you both about Red Hill and where you think we are on that issue. Um, you know, we, we see that the Navy is progressing, but we, we don't really see a lot of changes there. You know, there's a lot of fixes and repairs that need to be happened. And then there's this secondary conversation about what should happen to the tanks themselves uh, once they are finally defueled. Interested to get both of your thoughts on what you think the future of Red Hill should be once the facility is shut down. We'll start with you, um, Senate President. I don't know what the future of the facility should be, uh, you know, but it should be cleaned and it should be safe. Most importantly, I appreciate everything the congressional delegation has done. They've tried to put all of the money that's necessary uh, to try and make sure that uh, everyone who is in the area and the aquifer continues to be 
safe and let's hope that the money gets spent in a more timely fashion. It has been challenging when we've gotten certain messages here and then we have a message that's very different from Washington, D.C. And, uh, you know, my communication with Indopaycom has been, uh, you know, you need to line up what is happening because we don't know who's setting the direction. And it's uh, going to be important for your credibility to uh, deliver on the things that you're saying publicly. And that has been a huge challenge for the Navy up to this point. Yeah, Mr. Speaker, or, or sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, Mr. Speaker, are you are you satisfied with the way things are progressing up until this point? And do you have any thoughts about what should happen to the facility after it is cleaned out? The 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 facility should be returned to as nor, as much normalcy as possible. I know there's been some suggestions that the, the tanks, you know, we retain the tanks and maybe use them as a store water storage system. I'm not sure if that's the best idea. So unless there's like some, you know, some way that we can guarantee that the water is going to be completely clean, I'm not sure if that's a good idea or not. I think there's always room for improvement. Um, the Navy, I know, is just trying hard, but I think there's a couple of areas where they could improve on. One is just um, proactive communication with the public. The public needs a better understanding of what is ha- what the status is, what's happening, what the action plan is. Um, the second, I think, is and the Senate president kind of alluded to this, is the leadership at the Navy level. You know, I've suggested before that the Navy should make a decision and announce that the leaders of this Red Hill movement from the Navy side are going to remain in place in Hawaii until this problem is fixed. Because what we've seen in the past is that sometimes the military transfers people around every three years, so you don't have a sense of continuity. But I think for Red Hill, there needs to be continuity and the leadership and the people who are in charge of this need to be here until this is resolved. We're almost out of time, but I just wanted to ask a, a broad question about the overall working dynamics that both of you have with uh, the new governor. Uh, we know that there have been disagreements with the former administration between the legislature and the fifth floor, uh, but wanted to start off with you, Speaker Saiki, get your thoughts on how things are going with Governor Green and your conversations uh, with him thus far and the working relationship that you have? Yeah, so, you know, the Governor Green is, um, I mean, he's just really, he's enthusiastic. He wants to do a good job. Um, He's not afraid to, um, you know, to discuss things and to make and to communicate. Um, He's um, also not afraid, I think, to make decisions. Um, I think that we, you know, on the House side, we have a, a good working relationship with them and uh, we're looking forward to um, continue, continuing this going forward. And Senator President, the same question for you. Uh, you know, the working relationship is good. The communication is open. But, uh, you know, I think the speaker and I, uh, on our previous uh, spotlight appearance, on our opening day remarks, we also jointly appeared before a chamber group do- during chamber week. Uh, have articulated in some of the issues that we have different ideas of what the details should be of the overall goal. Should we reform the tax policy or should we be giving one-time credits? Are we going to be able to uh, have a revenue base to sustain some of the ideas that uh, the governor has talked about? You know, we're not we're not so sure. So we're in agreement about generally who uh, we've identified that we'd like to get 
assistance to. Uh, we're in agreement about wanting to invest more in affordable housing, but the devil always is in the details. And, uh, you know, I don't hesitate to tell them when I uh, have uh, an idea or go up and advance uh, ideas from the members of the Senate and uh, let him know how we would favor doing it. Uh, but even when we disagree, we walk away and we're not disagreeable because we know we need to come back and work on the very next item together if we're going to deliver for the people of Hawaii. I'm also interested, just before we let you go, and we are almost out of time, on what your working relationship is like with the lieutenant governor. You know, when she came in, there was a lot of thought that she would really be the bridge between the administration uh, and, and what's happening down on the floor, given, you know, her long history with you both. Is she working independently of the governor to try to, you know, broker some of these conversations and push some of this agenda forward? Uh, Senate President, we'll start with you. Well, uh, you know, when I've talked to the lieutenant governor, and I have talked to her quite a bit, she is saying, based on her conversations with the governor, this is what she's pushing. So she has been making it very clear that she is part of the administrative team. Uh, she's working within the parameters of what the team hopes to accomplish and that their team will do well. And... Uh, you know, I have enjoyed a much more robust working relationship with the lieutenant governor uh, than the relationship I had with her when she was the finance chair. And I didn't have a bad relationship, but just during session, both the Ways and Means chair and the finance chair have so much work to do, and they're just immersed in it. Uh, you know, it's... Uh, not easy to sit around and talk about some of the other broader policy issues. And we've had some really good conversations on the pre-K in delivering affordable housing, uh, how we're going to work on farm to school and a host of subjects that we never got to really explore uh, more in depth when she served as finance chair and I was Senate president. So I, I've enjoyed uh, really working with her in the new role. Yeah, and Mr. Speaker, are you seeing her as that sort of bridge that, that was sort of projected or expected of her? Well, I have to say, I think the jury is still out on the lieutenant governor. Um, I'm, just, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, as the president mentioned, I, you know, the lieutenant governor brings um, a total, you know, in-depth knowledge of the legislative process and different kinds of relationships that the, that the govern, governor may not have. And I know that when, you know, when asked or when tasked with something, um, she's going to just focus in and hone in on that and, and get it completed. So it's a total, I think they have a really good working relationship. I think they have a partnership and they have an understanding of each other's, um, you know, strengths and weaknesses, which is really good. All right. Well, thank you so much for you both for joining us this morning. We know that you are in the middle of a very busy session and we just appreciate you taking a, a portion out of your time this morning to update us on all that's happening there at the legislature. Uh, we look forward to our conversations in the future, but thanks again. Aloha. Thank you. Thank you very much. Always great to hear from them, Ryan, and uh, interesting to hear. I, I'm always interested in those dynamics sort of behind the scenes, how often they're meeting and, and whether they are utilizing the, the lieutenant governor. And it sounds like they are, that she really is that bridge that they had hoped she would be. Um, the clear disagreements between what's happening in the legislature and what's what the fifth floor wants, but it does sound relatively cordial at this point. 
Yeah, you can hear that they said while there is uh, a lot of agreement, the devil, as the Senate president said, it will be in the details and how some of these uh, proposals and agendas are ironed out and how things will actually, uh, you know, come to fruition. Take in point the, the green fee. Uh, this is uh, something that continues to go back and forth and decided over how this fee will be taxed or will be implemented for those coming into the islands and this how the visitor impacts uh, fee will ultimately shake out. Will it be a overarching app-based system or will it be specific to sites? Uh, that conversation continues. Uh, we also spoke from the governor who said that at this point he doesn't really care how it happens, but he feels confident that it will come through. He's, he's optimistic that some sort of visitor impact fee will move through this legislative session. And we heard from both of them this morning that the support uh, is there. Yeah, interesting also to hear their thoughts on the stadium and how that project should move forward. Both pretty adamant that they want to stick to the $350 million uh, budget and that they think that the governor should get it done in that budget uh, and that they would, you know, they would have to see some serious justifications uh, before giving any more money to this project. Um, you know, it, it's, it's very interesting to see how all that will play out. When the governor was on this program, he said part of the issue that he sees is that he's hamstrung by not having all of his cabinet nominees confirmed. You heard the Senate president kind of pushing back on that saying, you know, we're getting to everyone as soon as we can, but we also have a lot of business to do on our own uh, with the budget and with getting all the bills passed. So there is there is still some tension there, I think. Yeah, and just a, a process to go, but both seem to be supportive of the new nominee for DHHL and uh, Kali Watson saying that they believe that uh, he is someone that could lead this department given uh, the projects and uh, and just the amount of uh, work that will be required of this position to spend down that $600 million that has been allocated by the legislature uh, for this department and to make sure that all of that is spent and spent correctly. Uh, again, if you missed any portion of this, we covered a lot of topics from medical marijuana uh, to also their thoughts on President David Lassner. We encourage you to go back and watch this show or this episode. If you miss any portion of it, you can watch it of course, uh, anytime on the digital platforms of the Honolulu Star Advertiser, catch it on Channel 50 or uh, as a podcast, as uh, you deem, uh, as, as however you consume your podcast uh, information and shows. Uh, coming up on Friday, we will center in on a topic about the development in the Kaka'ako area. Yeah, that's something that the legislature is also looking at, whether or not OHA should be able to develop Kaka'ako Makai. We'll be speaking to OHA Chair Carmen Hulu-Lindsay, along with their COO, Casey Brown, to talk about what OHA is pushing for, why they feel this is a good idea, and also talk about a lot of the pushback they're getting. You know, there, there are many people in the community who believe that that area of open space should be left open. OHA saying that that area needs to be developed for affordable housing, uh, and also just because they were given that land and that they need to, you know, recognize assume its full potential in order to or realize its full potential in order to get the biggest gain. So we'll talk to the folks over at OHA on Friday, and we do hope you join us then. Uh, we'll see you right back here at 1030. Aloha. Have a great day. This episode of Spotlight Hawaii is brought to you by Long's Drugs.